Thanks for joining us. This is episode number eight of Trading Card Therapy. You can join us here every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on our Just Collect YouTube channel at youtube.com slash justcollect. You can also listen to our podcast when it drops on Friday on all of your favorite podcast stations like, you know, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. And for the first time ever, what's up, IG? We're going live on Trading Card Therapy on Instagram. So today we're going to talk about to start the show the ease of buying versus the shame of selling. So the reason why I'm bringing up this topic and I want to expound on it is it is not only a lot of fun to buy, it's also very easy to buy if you have the money, uh, meaning you know going on eBay any given night, bidding in an auction, right, going to a card show with cash, armed with PayPal, so on and so forth. Very easy to buy. And as someone who does this as a full-time professional baseball card treasure hunter, I can tell you that may seem easy to some, but there is a lot of work that goes into the buying. If you're doing it right, you're putting all of the work in on the front end and all of the money is made in the buy because that's where you're doing all of your research. That is where you're doing all of your due diligence. You're checking out whether it be card ladder or VCP, the free PSA card.com auction database. There's lots of resources at your fingertips to check out what cards are worth. And it's very easy to buy them because all you have to do is click a button to bid in an auction, to buy something on eBay. And so I encourage you that before you click that button to bid, before you click that button to buy, do your research before clicking that button. Reach out to other dealers that you feel comfortable with, other collectors that you know are more familiar with the game, maybe in that particular niche than yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But there is no doubt in my mind from all of the other dealers that I know, uh, myself included, it is much more fun to buy. And why is that? Well, I think the main reason is we're all really collectors at heart, right? Some of us might be dealers. Some of us might be investors. Some of us might be hybrid, right? Collector, dealer, investor. So in terms of the actual act of buying, you can understand that it's like my son Crosby, who's six, getting a new toy. There's something going on with your brain and the dopamine that makes you happy, whether it be for a few seconds, a few minutes, or hopefully a lot longer if you're going to be owning the piece for a while. But nonetheless, the ease of buying is there. It's there if you're financed. It's there even if you don't do the research. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to do that research before you make that buy, because that's where all the money's made. Now, the reason why I'm calling it the shame of selling is because I myself hate to sell. If I had all the money in the world, I can kick back and you know, eat some great food and watch some great, you know, ball games, drink some good beers or a vodka on the rocks, possibly, I would probably just look at my old judge collection all day or my high grade Tito sixes. I rip open a 1965 tops football pack for fun, inviting over a few buddies. That's what I would do. So the buying aspect of things, it's not only easier, but you also can make mistakes in terms of if you don't do the work on the front end and you think that all of the work is really done when you're selling. 
So let's get to selling and the so-called shame in doing it. So the reason why I'm calling it that is because very few people are bragging to me when they're selling something, unless they got a big grade back from PSA or SGC or something like that, and they sold their item for you know big dollars. But generally, people are reluctant to sell because we're all collectors at heart and we really just love the stuff. Or if you're more of a dealer and investor, you think maybe that your item is you know, worth more than the current market is bearing. So I think that a very common problem that, that I not only see for myself amongst friends of mine in the hobby, but you know, other folks that are, let's say doing this a little bit more full time is waiting till it's too late to sell. And what I mean is you're bidding in auctions, you're going to a card show next weekend, you got a lead on a collection, and you wait until something consummates, i.e. you win something big at auction, you just wrote a big check for a collection, and instead of selling before that, you wait until your, let's say, cash flow is requiring you to make a move. The problem is you lose a lot of leverage when you have to sell versus if you sell when it's an appropriate time for you and you don't have to sell. So my general advice is if you are someone who's active in the hobby as a part-timer, as a collector, as a dealer, as an investor, as a hybrid of all of those, one of the ways to keep yourself both, both honest with your collection and to keep the cash flow moving is to make sure that you avoid that shame in selling and consign some stuff to Probesteam. By the way, this is not a paid message. I know Rick but I just gave him some stuff from Just Collect for me personally. I have a hard time discerning what's the difference these days. Love you, honey, if my lovely wife, Julie, is watching. So uh, when it comes to selling, I'm practicing what I preach. I do sell myself on eBay uh, under our eBay name, Just Underscore Collect. You might ask, why did I give some stuff to Probstein123 on eBay? Well, PWCC is no longer there. I'm not as familiar with some of the other consignment eBay firms. Rick also happens to be in Jersey. Shout out to my buddy, Pank, who uh, we do a bunch of bu business together, plus play tennis. And he's a direct pipeline to Rick as he's going there, you know, once every other week, once a week. And so I am also making sure that I don't sell when I need to sell. I sell when it makes sense to sell, when it's practical. And so I try not to wait until the last minute. I hear this, you know, among some of my, you know, dealer friends, hey, I spent a lot in this auction. I better sell some stuff or are you looking for anything? You don't want to do that. Same thing if you're a collector. If you have your eye on a really special Michael Jordan card or you're chasing down a LeBron, um, build up those reserves. The money won't go bad. I understand it can be frustrating if you don't necessarily win at auction, for example, that item you're going for. But you know what's going to hurt worse? If you have to go and take a haircut for 30% lower than you wanted to uh, on your stuff because you're forced to sell. I wanted to describe to you in regards to the act of, you know, buying and selling something that happened to me recently at the Philly show where we'll be in December. It's the first weekend, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think it's the third, fourth, and fifth. For those of you listening and would like to check out all the details of the Philly show right near the King of Prussia Mall, I believe you can check out phillyshow.com run by my good buddy, Joe Drellick, and an amazing team. So 
I had down um, at the show just a little bit of inventory for sale at our booth where Just Collect and Vintage Breaks were both set up. For those of you that came and said hi, it was a fantastic show. For those of you that were not able to make it, I highly encourage you to come on down. So I had out a few high-end cards, including a T206 Ty Cobb Polar Bear Back. And what's interesting is I have started approximately three weeks ago. Every Wednesday afternoon, we send out a Just Collect curated private sale email blast. So we have approximately 35,000 people on our email list from Just Collect. You can check out our website at justcollect.com. We are always buying and appraising old vintage sports card collections. So for the last several weeks, as we've started this curated private sale email, we include a handful of cards. Some of them I own or Just Collect owns. Some of them are owned by our fellow Breakamaniacs from the Vintage Breaks community. And other cards are owned by fellow dealers and friends that I know in the hobby. At the moment, Just Collect, myself, we are not charging anything for this service until the end of the year when we will reassess how the program is going. At the moment, we are doing it simply to bring value to the community. And I'm proud to say, this morning we brokered a 1996 Topps Kobe Bryant rookie PSA 10 for our very own Bill Zeltner. We sold it for $2,000, and that was sold to someone who saw it in our email, made an offer. I relayed that offer to Bill. He sold it. He's happy to use that money for whatever he would like for his collection or other. And so this Ty Cobb card, the T206 bat off shoulder, one of my favorite poses in the set, polar bear back, very clean, a little more difficult to find than the regular sweet cap and the Piedmont backs. Put it for sale in our private sale email at 14850 I put it out at the show at 14500 Every card I put out at the show is priced. If I do not have a card out, if, excuse me, if I have a card out that is not priced, the gang knows exactly what to tell them at the booth. It is for my collection. Leighton is just sharing it with the public. So for those that I drive crazy, I apologize. Anyway, when it comes to this Ty Cobb card, here's where things get interesting. So I didn't actually sell it privately from the email blast. However, the gentleman who ended up, let's just say, doing a transaction with me, which we're going to get to in a minute, found it through the Just Collect email. So first and foremost, if you're not utilizing this service, hit me up directly, Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N at justcollect.com. I'm happy to help you, give you advice about a graded card from 500 to 500,000 that you'd like to have appear in one of our future Wednesday Just Collect curated private email blasts free of charge until the end of 2021. That is our value that Trading Card Therapy and Just Collect are proud to bring you. So getting back to the Ty Cobb, this is what's so interesting about negotiation. Some people take it straight on, they're head on, they're like right in your face, they're from the Northeast, they talk super fast like myself, as you can see, I could do it any moment. And there's some who are a little bit more methodical, they take their time. And there's, of course, there's folks that are in between. But this gentleman, uh, this collector in particular, didn't want to reach out to me via email, didn't feel like making us uh, making me an offer in the sense of he didn't know that it was negotiable. And I said, well, you know, everything is life in life is negotiable. You just have to know what you're willing to give up. And 
you know how you're going to get there. So this individual made me a cash offer for the Ty Cobb T206. I think it's an SGC3, gorgeous card, at the show. And it's really funny because he made me a very serious offer. And I said, no, thank you. I will pass. And you may ask why I negotiated like that. So a tip, at least from my standpoint, when it comes to negotiating cards and playing the game right, if you offer close enough to what I'm looking for, I'm absolutely willing to engage you and negotiate back. But if said seller, in this case me, here's an offer, I wasn't insulted. It just wasn't close enough to what I was looking for. And I didn't think that we would get there. And so I simply passed. And so I thought it was really interesting. Gentleman said to me, so I guess you're not looking to sell the card. I said, no, contraire, I am. It says 14,500 right on the card. And so he smiled, he walked away and said he wanted to think about it. He stopped by a few times over the course of the show. And before he made a new offer, was showing me a few cards he had for sale. By the way, this is why you always go with assets, cards um, that are extra cash, tough to find items, even if you don't necessarily want to sell it, have one in the bag just in case you see your holy grail. You just never know. And you might think it's okay to call them later. Let me tell you, more often than not, if something's great, you're not the only person looking at it. You're not the only person thinking about going after it. He came back to me and was kind of like throwing his hands up. Hey, I don't know how I'm going to get this card. I said, oh, do you have anything for sale? She said, sure. So he pulls out a couple cards. You know, I'm not really sure they're for me. And then he had one really nice card, a 2019 Sapphire Vladimir Guerrero Jr. autographed rookie graded PSA 10. And he said, are you interested in buying these? And I said, well, you know, I'm not really in the market for that. It was that and a few other cards. I said, what you should try to do is sell them to another dealer. So he tried to do that. And of course, didn't get the price that he wanted because not everyone pays as strong as I believe we pay here at Just Collect. Give us a try sometime. I said to him, hey, I tell you what, I'm open. I know Vlad Jr. is. And I can guarantee you almost no vintage car dealer will do this in the room. If you are still interested in the card, and you're thinking about making another offer, why don't you include the Vlad? And if you have anything else, great. And if not, so be it. So he came to me with a new offer on Sunday at the show before we did our live box break in conjunction with Heritage Auctions. Special shout out to Derek Grady from Heritage. who was kind enough to sit with me. Um, we pulled some fun stuff uh, from that box, including a Barry Sanders on-card autograph that we're giving away. He made me an offer in cash plus the vlad jr we were close and i explained to him that the way i was figuring the numbers i wasn't buying the vlad jr from you i was giving you full value for it and recognizing it as an asset i was receiving in the transaction so in other words when i'm buying graded cards i'm trying to pay let's say 70 to 80 85 percent of what i think something's worth well i didn't take 70 to 85 percent of this card I effectively said the card's worth X, let's count it in as cash. And we were still a little short. He had a Zion Williamson Prism Rookie and a PSA 10, which is a pretty liquid card, not necessarily one that I want to keep for myself. And so all in all, I knew the card was going to a good home. 
And instead of trying to eke out every last nickel, I've done bu- I've done business uh, with him before. He actually bought a Nielsen's chocolate Babe Ruth for me a couple of years ago at the Philly show in Valley Forge. And we reached a deal. Uh, and what was a really fun treat is uh, my wife, who has not been to too many uh, card shows because of, you know, locale and such, was able to drive on down to the show. And she was kind enough to count the cash for us. And I saw her smirking and she was thrilled. Uh, she's a, an attorney by trade and deals with, you know, big dollars and God knows big emotions all the time. But I don't like I don't know a lady that doesn't like cash. So it was a lot of fun. And um, I was glad that it was going to um, a good home and was really happy that we were able to reach a deal, even though in the beginning, it seemed like we were pretty far away because I wouldn't counter. And I don't personally like to negotiate against myself. And so I can understand why it was difficult for him to come back with another offer. But I did assure him I was willing to sell the card as it was priced. And so that's a start. If you think that price is offensive, maybe the card's not for you. I also explained that you can get into a lower grade Cobb. You can get into a Sweet Cap or a Piedmont back. And he knew exactly where I was going with it. Don't be afraid to speak your mind about your card as long as you're being respectful and you're playing the game well, you know, when you're having fun. Hope you appreciated that story from my very own experience of selling a substantial, you know, five-figure card because I didn't need to sell the card, but I do buy and sell cards as a professional baseball card treasure hunter. And so because I already have several Ty Cobb T206s in my inventory, my collection, whatever you'd like to call it, I felt okay to relinquish it for a fair price. And it allows me to continue doing what I love for a living and pursue maybe another T206 collection. You never know. So once again, don't be afraid or shamed into selling your cards. Just do so proactively, responsibly. I'm not, by the way, advocating that Probstein or REA or Heritage are the places you should go because there's a lot of other places to go as well. I'm suggesting that do your research, but don't wait until you have a big auction bill. Don't wait until you see a 52 Mantle or your Holy Grail card at a local convention or a trade night that you're going to. Build up that war chest. That's what I would do. So as we have a few minutes here left on our eighth episode of Trading Card Therapy, I wanted to make sure I took a moment to plug our seventh episode, which of course you can find on uh, our YouTube channel right here at youtube.com slash justcollect, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all that good stuff. So in honor of our seventh episode, we are going to give away a spot in our 1951 Bowman baseball set break courtesy of vintagebreaks.com. For those of you who are not familiar, and I'm pulling up right now on my phone so I can show you during the podcast here, for those who are going to watch it later on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. We are going to give away one free spot in our 1951 Bowman baseball set break. It is $175 a spot. And anyone who has a spot in this break will have a chance to win this 1951 Bowman Mickey Mantle graded PSA 2. We just listed it the other day, and we're going to post on Instagram. The only way to win is after you see our post is to follow and like both Trading Card Therapy, all one word, and Vintage.Breaks. 
We'll run that promotion. We'll launch that later today. In about a week's time, we'll select a winner. Good luck to each and every one of you who are watching and participate. It's a great prize because no matter what, you're guaranteed to get a card from the 1951 Bowman baseball set. And it could just be the Mickey Mantle rookie, the Willie Mays rookie, the Roy Campanella, the Duke Snyder, the Ted Williams. The set is full of Hall of Famers and stars and absolutely full of history. So good luck to everyone in that promo. I wanted to close the show today and switch gears for just a minute and talk about boxing cards. Very few people in my world are discussing boxing cards, specifically vintage boxing cards. And we posted something earlier today on Instagram, which I wanted to share with the trading card therapy community. It is a N174 John L. Sullivan, old judge, graded SGC4. But the grade is not what matters for this card. It is the clarity. Check out a card that's 100 plus years old and how amazing that looks. You can see him bare-knuckled, bare-fisted, and ready to go to battle. So I'd like to take a moment to read verbatim what I put on Instagram. For those of you who want to follow me, it's Leighton underscore Sheldon. I wanted to provide to you, our Trading Card Therapy audience, some context and perspective about this particular card of John L. Sullivan, Boxing Hall of Famer, and then boxing cards in general. Here's a card that I feel can provoke some interesting conversation. This 1887 N174 Old Judge Cigarettes, John L. Sullivan, hands up pose, graded SGC4, had me thinking of how boxing has been represented in cards over the last century. One thing I love about tobacco cards is how their aesthetic is a clear indicator of the time period. I think it's fair to say that most hobbyists love the stone plate printing that we see on T206s as it gives them such an incredible look. The N174 boxing series, series issued by Goodwin and Company to promote Old Judge and Gypsy Queen cigarettes also have a distinct look from their use of album photography. When I look at this John L. Sullivan card, I'm amazed at how clear and crisp the image is, especially considering it's over 130 years old. The process produces a look that is not reminiscent of anything we see in modern, modern photography today. Sullivan, who was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1990, looks like he's ready to throw down with his bare knuckles exposed to tell the tale. I then began thinking of the card's value and how it would compare to a similar card from the era if it were a baseball Hall of Famer. A baseball Hall of Famer, I would imagine, could easily be 5 to 7x that of Sullivan simply based on the sport. It makes collecting that much more interesting as not only does rarity, condition, and grade play into the value, but the sport itself does as well. The sport of boxing is also in an interesting place. While boxing, vintage or modern, may not be at a high point of popularity, it's important to remember that it's laid the foundation for other combat sports like MMA. 
as the popularity of cards like UFC put out by Panini, the series grows, those collectors will eventually turn to boxing cards if they will want to acquire vintage and the best that their respective sport has to offer. With this Sullivan, I may not just be holding a gorgeous piece of sports art and history, but perhaps a great investment. So if you like boxing, if you think we make some interesting points about it, please like and comment below in our video. If you think there's a different sport that's kind of not being talked about enough and has some room to grow, please share with us your thoughts in the chat below. Thanks for joining us. This was Trading Card Therapy. I'm the doctor, Leighton Sheldon. Thanks for tuning in.